You're listening to Gibraltar Stories. My name's Lindsay Weston and Gibraltar's been my home for the past 10 years. The longer I've been here, the more I've learned about this tiny and very special place. With this podcast, I hope to share some of the fascinating stories Gibraltar has to tell. Being Gibraltarian is not just being born here, it's a state of mind as well. And once you become part of that state of mind, or that collective state of mind, that will always bring you back. It brings you back because you start belonging to the place. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Gibraltar Stories podcast. The Gibraltarian identity is the subject I'm focusing on this week. Should you find yourself in Casemate Square around midday on the 10th of September, you will be surrounded with a sea of red and white. Thousands of Gibraltarians dressed in their national colours waving red and white Gibraltar flags with the castle and key motif. And you'll be in no doubt that Gibraltar has a fierce national identity. The Rock's chief minister, Fabian Bicardo, gave a rousing speech, as always, at last year's event. Here's just a snippet of what he had to say. He certainly knows how to please the crowd, ending with a stoic reassurance that despite the current uncertainties of Brexit, Gibraltar will continue to stand firm. Red, white and blue. Red, white and blue. Red, white and free. But how did the Gibraltarian identity develop? Being a relatively young place and formed from a plethora of different nationalities, it's thought to have been forged through struggles and hardships. Some people believe it was cemented during the evacuation of the civilian population during World War II, which I touched on in last week's episode with Joe Jingle. Others believe that the intensity of the closed frontier years between 1969, when Spain's General Franco closed the border and cut off all supplies and communications with our nearest neighbour, up to its full reopening in 1985, is responsible for the sense of community and national pride we see today. For activists and proud Gibraltarians Annette and Paul Tunbridge, it started way before that, with the signing of the Treaty of Utrecht in 1704. If anything has, has, has marked the Gibraltarian out uh, through the centuries is ad, ad, adaptability. I, mean, I, was, I know that people tend to reckon and say that the character of the Gibraltarian or the Gibraltarian people came through because of the war and the evacuation. And you see, no. No, no. The core has been there all the time because we would not have, the, they would not have been able to cope with the evacuation in the way they did, keeping us a coherent people. If they hadn't, if they'd been a disparate kind of people with no nothing to keep them together, the evacuation would have 
disappeared, made them, made them just flake away because there would have been nothing to unite them back to. But there was, because that was through the 200 years before, people were here. We were always the invisible people because whatever whatever was spoken about in the papers in the UK or wherever was always the regiment, always the garrison. But the garrison, even even people who were part of the garrison who stayed on and weren't part of the garrison, they were the natives as well. They became part of the fabric of Gibraltar, of the history of Gibraltar, I mean, there was a seat of of, of the character everybody. of the Gibraltarians. The I mean, you know, everybody. yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that we are stoic of one particular place, no, or one or one other place. No, it's just that we've managed to sort of. I'm not saying we're perfect. We've got the good and the bad as well. As you know, when you're sprinkled with genes, you don't choose them. They're all sprinkled on you from different ways. Yeah. But it does bring the traits from different people with you. I mean, it was something terribly interesting that I, because I, I'm part of the Silver Group, and we were very interested. I, one of my pet things in the university was that I wanted to do history, and because I love history, but not just the garrison history, more the, the people's history, which was a history that's been talked about like we're doing now on the kitchen table at home snippets that you hear snippets snippets that you heard from your parents not necessarily that you were involved in but you just picked up on the flow of the kitchen absorbed absorbed (laughs) along the way Um, some myths some true some some god knows what but but things were formed in your mind and and like i said when people say oh no the gibraltarian emerged in in no 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 it the Gibraltarian after the war had the courage to come out, but they were always there. I think they, they were always there in a way that they had to be. Let's put it this way: seventeen oh four is Genesis for the Gibraltarian. Before we did not exist, I would not have been born anywhere else. You would not be speaking to me right now if 1704 hadn't happened. I'm not saying 1704 is good, bad or indifferent, I'm just saying it happens, like any other thing. Many other things happened in history. But it happened. We cannot deny that it didn't. And because of it, things, a ripple went and this happened. And people from different parts of Britain's sphere of, 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 of influence and sphere of, of um, allies started gathering into Gibraltar um, from Portuguese, Maltese eventually, Genoese, uh, from the Kingdom of Savoy, um, from, from, from Britain itself, Scotland, Wales, England, Ireland as it was before when it wasn't uh, Air and, and, and Northern Ireland but as part of almost a province of the UK. Um, people were born there, came here, came in different regiments with different different attitudes because even within the UK there were different ways of thinking and different attitudes and different traditions and people brought them all in and it became this mixture of people um, sometimes you kept traditions because they, they they fitted in and sometimes they didn't fit in so they were sort of ignored and forgotten yeah. and some new ones were brought in and, and, and even the words that we speak when we speak unconsciously are words that are from other places and have, have filtered into a normal way of thinking because they're part of... And, and it's not because it suddenly appeared during the Second World War. No, they were there. They were there all the time. But we weren't... 
shall we say in because we're talking of different eras we're not talking of of from the war when everything changed when people were more assertive when the world changed when people looked at life and said hey hold on a minute this, you know i'm not having this before people didn't do that people were subservient people you know yeah. i am men and if the king says it the king says it and, and you get on with it it didn't mean that society wasn't being gelled and built within themselves i think it's just that as for an for a recorder for an outsider that wasn't seen because you couldn't tell them that you were different because you had to no. be a true Colonial. I think also, Annette, Annette, following from what you're saying, I think that from 1704 to 1801, Trafalgar, Gibraltar was a fortress in the proper sense of the word. Then it started to slide down and it became again very important because until, uh, the, the Wellington kicked the French out of Spain by 1812. Then it's three years to Waterloo. We can say that Gibraltar, Gibraltar, as we see it today, starts in 1815 when things settled. Things settled. Before you had the Spanish pavilion, the Genoese town, the Irish town. You know, people did not mix. Like you said many times, we had the lengua franca, but people understood each other in its sort of transmediterranean language. And uh, the fortress came first. Britain was at war permanently. Then, yes, then they were still at war in Egypt, in Crimea and all that, but that was far away. And Gibraltar became very important because those wars were far away. Whereas before, there were sieges here and the war was in Spain as well. So we started mixing. I think then, in those days, the Jews were the Jews, the Moors were the Moors, the Genoese were the Genoese, the little Spaniards that were here uh, were the Spaniards and so on. They start getting an opportunity to mix when we start creating the Gibraltar we know now. For empire, obviously. Shipping, coal heavers, merchants, whatever. It starts in it. So then, and before, like I said, you've said many times before, the bombs used, the, the, the shells used to fall on everybody, irrespective of religion, color, creed, or whatever. I mean, they're saying, even with the food, I mean, maybe some of us more modern who like cooking will revert to the original ingredients of original things. But, for example, the spinach pie probably came to Gibraltar with the Genoese and they used ricotta, uh, ricotta, which was not available in all those six years in Gibraltar. The only thing that was available was probably Edam or cheddar. So today, the majority of Gibraltarian families will, not, will use cheddar or Edam in the Spanish pie. As more modern ones might say, well, if ricotta is the original, we will use ricotta, you know. I mean, I, I, the only, to tell you the truth, the only place I've eaten uh, Spanish pie with ricotta was in Australia. <laughs> remember? Yeah. In the little, little cove. Yeah, yeah, In the little that. cove. Gibraltarians really are a blend. We are. I've always said that because people say, well, you're very tolerant. And I've always said, no, 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 I don't like the word tolerant. Like Paul says, being tolerant implies being intolerant. No, being, being, uh, so it, um, you could could no, imply. It, imply that, no, it implies that if you're tolerant, it means that at any time you can become intolerant. You could become, but when you're blended, it's very difficult to be to be against who you are. It's like when people say to me, um, 
Oh, you, you, what are you, Jibutayun? And why have you, you put it? I said, well, but how can I be against something? Yeah, I'm not English, I'm not, I'm not Scottish, I'm not Welsh, I'm not Irish. But I have bits of all those in me. Because what it is, is your fundamentals. Your, your way of looking at life, at law, at principles, at morality. I'm not saying that other moralities are wrong. I'm just saying that there's different codes. We all probably end up in the same place but you have a different system of looking at it. And we have that, that is part of who we are. Now, if you if you say to me now I have to become Spanish, it means I have to take everything of what I am away and become something else that I've never been. You know, it's it's like I said, Genesis was 1704. And and because of Gen- because of that, we are here. Because if, if 1704 had not happened, and this is another Spanish town, we would not exist. We would not have been born somewhere else. I could not have been born in Norwich because they would not have met the Maltese or the Greek from Alexandria. And they would not have met the Portuguese. And I'm talking centuries back. Uh, it just would not happen. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it is a fact. Annette and Paul spent several years living in the UK during the closed frontier years of the 1970s and early 80s. During their time away from the rock, they found that their national identity grew stronger, even to the point of educating their English friends and neighbours about their home and traditions. Between my husband and myself, we've got about 10 different um, European uh, nationalities within us through the centuries. Um, we're neither fish or fowl, I suppose, but then we are Gibraltarian. Like I said, we are an accident of history and geography, but so many other places are for all sorts of reasons. People haven't just been there, sat there in their one place and everything's moved around them. People have moved around all the time. People went to the UK with with evacuation. Women um, felt differently, um, did different things, got jobs, and they came back with different expectations. Um, And then, like I said, the frontier... we, We left Gibraltar in 1974. And five we left years. five years into the into the. We weren't the only ones that did as youngsters. It was mainly youngsters, and we didn't leave because we were unhappy. We left because of curiosity, like all youth do. Now they take gap years. That was probably our our attempt at a gap year, shall we say, but with two two babies, <laughs> on toe, <laughs> a two year old or, or, and a, and a, and a ten month old baby. Other friends of ours did it without any children or even be married or whatever. Um, our, 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 our intention was to go to the UK for a couple of years, mainly, like my husband said, football matches, uh, rock concerts, uh, cricket, uh, whatever, you know, just travel and just to do different things and then come back home. But like most things happen, you, you get a job, you get better in the job, you buy a house, the children, and you keep thinking, no, next year we're going to go, next year we go, and it, until you settle, say, we, we are going back home, that's it, that's enough. Um, some people came before, back before us, some people came at the same time, some people have only just come back, but most people at some point in time want to come back or keep the communication. Now, in the UK... We Gibraltarians tend to seek each other all the time. To the extent that perhaps being Gibraltarian was accentuated. Um, it was when we all met, we, any, any excuse to meet, I mean, baptisms, 
communions, confirmations, birthdays, any birthday. It didn't matter whether it was the two-year-old's birthday or the 60-year-old's birthday. Still, a, It was still a party. Uh, weekends, this, that, the other. Oh, it's a lovely day. Come, I've got a barbecue out on the thing. Everybody congr congr uh, congregated. And this was right across, not just us as, as a family and friends, but other groups of families and friends all met up and continued with all the Gibraltarian things. It wasn't that, that we just blended into being English and, and that disappeared. No, in fact, our English friends blended into what we were doing. I'll never forget my neighbour's face when we put the sardines on the barbecue one day. <laughs> Priceless. <laughs> They'd never seen that before. No, <laughs> no, they'd never no, seen it. No, no, they was melted either. But it was good fun anyway. They enjoyed it. <laughs> you know what Paul Warren is, Yes, yes, I do. Well, one, first Christmas there, we actually invited her over, and she went through the box of polvorones and the bottle of anise, and she never had it in her life before. So <laughs> she came for Christmas. Every Christmas, she said, look, after lunch, can I come across and you give me some of those cakes with the, that stuff you gave me last time? And, and she had and the eight years we were there, she came. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's funny like that. Uh, so we used to come back home every single year for holidays. I made it a point that we could have obviously travelled from the UK most anywhere on holidays. But we wanted the children to keep the the connection with Jib. Um, even though our, our, our at home and when we all, you know, the family all got together because Paul's sisters were over there and his mum came over as well. Um, and my cousin was there and we had other family um, in fact, we had family that had stayed over after the war, uh, cousins of my dad and their children. So, uh, all this Gibraltar, we like sort of, we, we, it was like a magnet. We'd, we'd all we'd all congregate in different people's houses. He's very, he's actually um, Tony. Yeah. He's actually buried at sea in a Gibraltar flag out there. <laughs> the sea. That that was his last wish, but it, it was. It was that sort of it's that sort of a community. Even though we go away from Gibraltar, the Gibraltarianness comes with us. Um, Yes, in in a way, in a way you feel guilty not having been here for the whole of the time. But then again, when I think of it, I mean, sometimes you hear people speak now, oh, occasionally, not very often, just very few, say, oh, you know, because if we, do we have to put up with being um, living badly because of Spain? Shouldn't we just so do, you know, whatever Spain wants? I said, well, we never did. Our generation never turned round to our parents and said, oh, why don't you do an arrangement with Spain so we don't have to live somewhere else? And when we went to, to the UK, we lived in, in, in a room with a kitchen and two, and two babies. We, so it wasn't that we went and, and, you know, we had to start from zero. Nobody gave us anything. And we worked for it and got it, and that's it. That's fine. No problem. I have no problem with that. Normal. But we didn't turn around to our, to our elders and say... Oh, no, 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 we don't want this. We want to be able to go and come and go as, as freely as we want to. In spite of the time which has passed since the colonial era, Annette and Paul both believe that Gibraltarians are still an invisible people and there's still a long way to go in their fight for recognition. We as a couple left, but that didn't mean that we left being Gibraltarian. We carried who we were wherever we went, first and foremost. That was. It wasn't. Imp it wasn't that it was important to us. It was that it was the only thing we could be. Because when something is important, when you say something is important, you have to make a point of being that.
we were just being normal. Um, it, it was who we were, which begs, you know, makes the question, being who we were doesn't happen in one generation. Being who we were comes from a long way back. So all that the all that the 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 the, the war did was allow people to come out and talk about it, because the world changed. Listen. And we and in a way, in a way, we're still the invisible people. Because we're still asked, are you English or Spanish? No, because the, co what the, the people see the, the hear or see the conflict, and uh, we had a very. But I have good, no a, conflict. An, an example of what Annette says, the invisible people. During the joint sovereignty negotiations, which I basically did all the government, all the protests outside the governors and all the... Pro I basically ran, apart from the government, I basically ran the opposition to joint sovereignty on the street. And um, we had a crew from Northern Ireland, BBC Northern, BBC Northern, Northern Ireland. Ireland, came over. And they had a unionist and a Sinn Féin as commentators. And they came to us and we did a, there was a reception at the Rock Hotel. And they planned to talk to me and, and Annette. The conversation lasted two minutes. And I, we said, go away. Excuse me, this is not a continuation of Britain against Northern, against Ireland and you fight it on the streets of Belfast. No, this is not a fight between the English or the Brits and the Spaniards. The problem with you two, the two of you, both as unionists, because the union says that I am British the same as him, and the other union, and the, and the Sinn Féin says that we're Spanish, and yet you do not don't see, see us. us. You don't see still us. still haven't seen us. You, you bring a conflict and you put it into this. So that if that is how you've come to interviews, go it. away. Just go away. Forget it. I'm not talking. And I said, oh, yes, but I said, look, and if you want to talk about the killing of the IRA, I'll tell you, you never, your lot, the IRA, didn't see us either. Because they came, and where they were going to put the bomb is underneath a school, and if it, and. 200 Catholic children would have come out to watch the parade and you would have killed five English soldiers and 200 and possibly injured, killed or injured, 200 Catholic children who probably fed, come out from doing the communion lessons for the first and, time and, 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 and you don't see that probably their parents, although we don't want to kick the Brits out, we're still fighting for self-determination like you are. Yeah, we're not but you don't see it. You don't see it. You just, you just have. You are so blinking like a donkey, like you're blinking like donkeys. That you can't see. You can't see. Go can't away. See. I, I'm not talking. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll focus if another way. No, 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 no. no you are no a professional. You should have done, undertaken nothing some. Nothing to be focused on. Nothing to you be focused. You, I find it uh, contemptuous. So despite the progress which has been made over the years from Gibraltar ceasing to be a colony of the British Empire to where we are today, as the Chief Minister described it last National Day as part of the British family of nations, in Annette and Paul's eyes, the Gibraltarian people are still an invisible people whose voice needs to be heard on the international stage and not just on the 10th of September every year. My thanks to Annette and Paul for their time. We spent hours together chatting and you'll hear more of our chat in the forthcoming episodes about the Closed Frontier years later on in the series. 
Thanks to you two for listening and for taking an interest in Gibraltar stories. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would love it if you'd leave a review. Someone by the name of Schmeller18 did just that on Apple Podcasts, giving it five stars and saying it was good to know about some unique stories and information they didn't know about Jib. Hope there's more to come, they said. Well, I'm pleased to say there will indeed be more coming very soon. Thanks very much for that review. Don't forget you can listen back to any of the previous episodes at GibraltarStories.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud and Spotify. And if you have a Gibraltar story which you'd like to share, please get in touch with me through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter or by email to GibraltarStories at gmail.com. Until next week, goodbye for now and thanks very much for listening.